I'm author Mark Muncy. And I'm author Erica Lance. And this is Eerie Travels. Greetings, travelers. Greetings, travelers. Oh, my goodness. This is quite a day, right? It's, I feel like for us, it's always quite a day. It is. But in the spirit of traveling, I was traveling. Right. You've been, you've been on an adventure. I did. I went on an event. I went on a weekend getaway with my lovely other half. Me and him spirited ourselves away to the exotic location of Nashville, Tennessee. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah. Graceland? <laughs> Graceland's in Memphis. Oh, that's right. Sorry. Sorry, my Tennessee geography is not my best. Wow. Wow. I got I got the Elvis reference over you. I'm I'm impressed. Wow. But but um Sorry, before King. I go into why Mark should be incredibly jealous of me and the oh, adventures for today. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Um, didn't you have some breaking news? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I do have some breaking news. And this is from our friends at our usual Paranormality Magazine. Uh, we, we love them to death. And man, they got some big news. So this is from May 24th, 2023. On Saturday, an unidentified flying object sighting in southeastern Turkey led to the suspension of approximately 18 flights for 12 hours. A passenger aircraft upon landing at Gaziantep Airport, I hope I pronounced that right, reported detecting an unidentified object on its radar at an altitude of 2,743.2 meters. So that's about 9,000 feet. And wow. that's right over the city. So the Turkish airport grounded flights for 12 hours due to this UAP sighting. Uh, all flights were canceled. A, a Turkish website corroborated the incident, stating that the air traffic controllers also confirmed the presence of the unidentified objects. So wow. now, um, and what's crazy is no notice to airmen and no other reports for the airport authority there have come out about this incident. And they are normally required to be filed to inform pilots of potential flight routes or location hazards. And then after 12 hours, they just started right back up. So okay. crazy, right? Well, this This goes into the... Whether or not, you know, I get it. I get it. It would create a mass panic if somebody said, hi, we think there's an alien ship in the sky. So we're going to go look into that. As soon as yep. we figure that out, we'll let you know. Yeah. Like people would not handle that well. No, not at all. And thank you, Paranormality Mag. Now that was on a few other regular sites, but Paranormality Mag, of course, we love them to death. ParanormalityMag.com. And you can get articles like that in your daily briefings. And you can also get the wonderful subscription for the deep dive interviews. You can get the physical one or you can get the digital one. And you can get 10% off that if you use the code TRAVELS while you're on their website when you go to that checkout button. And then uh, that lets them know you, we sent you. And, you know, we appreciate it. Yeah, it's fun reads. It's just fun, fun reads. Oh, that's great. 
but probably that read is not going to be as much fun as the fact that I got to see one of your favorite humans, Mark, this weekend. Bruce Campbell? Yeah. Okay. One of your other favorite. He's one of my favorite humans too. Gosh. He's, he's one of the best. He's the best human on the planet. So. He might but be one of the best humans on he, the planet. He's definitely in top five. So. Yes. I I concur with that assessment. Yes. All right. So let's see. I so got let's go to top see. five then. Uh, then the only other, you know, that would be cooler than that would be like, uh, oh, I don't know maybe uh gosh it could oh scott no 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 nobody's there in bruce i don't know who yeah well it is uh your friend uh destiny beard what you got yeah. to see destiny and i wasn't there yes i got to go see destiny and intentionally did not bring you on my couple's weekend weird ah! you know, weird that the boyfriend wouldn't think that was a good idea <laughs> hey you know i understand that but no, I got to go to um, the Tennessee Run Fair, which I'll go over more in just a minute. But um, Destiny's uh, father, Ed Beard, the artist. Yes, Ed Beard uh, Jr., yes. Ed Beard Jr., world-renowned, awesome, epic Dungeons and Dragons, Magic the Gathering. Uh, just goes on and on. Lord Lord himself. Yep. Yeah. Um, so he had a booth at the Ren Fair, actually almost right when you walked in, you went around a little bend and his booth was there Yay. and Destiny was there. So I got to stop by the booth, say hello, see her, interact with her in person and then wave it in your face, which is like probably the most epic cherry on top of the wonderful Sunday of a weekend that I had. Oh man. So by the time this airs, it'll have already been all over, but uh, we will post whatever you are rubbing in my face from there so oh i will absolutely rubbing in your face but it was wonderful to see her we have news coming up from her we can't reveal it yet but oh. we have some pretty epic we coordinated while we were there i'm super excited but i want to wait till we're a little closer but we have some announcements from both ed and destiny to what? announce from oh. meeting in person because I collude with people when I'm in person. <laughs> that is I your superpower collusion. collusion. Okay, superpower collusion. Hey, you know what? Nobody ever lists that as a superpower. That would be a pretty badass superpower. That would be fair. I, I, mine is networking. So that's the uh, that's, networking that's, collusion between the two of us. We will know and conspire with everyone in the world. Everyone, we, that is global domination. We got this. Yes. So I have to say, so we're driving, um, we chose to actually intentionally go to um, Nashville to go see the Renaissance Festival there because they have like this huge castle that's actually a resident, but they let people tour it. So there is a castle in the middle of Tennessee. And we talked yep. about this on previous shows where there yeah. are castles all over the all United over the States. Place. My, my favorite one I ever got to visit was Richard Garriott's castle and uh lord british from the ultima series and he was the world's first space tourist because he had sold the ultima game rights to electronic arts for a ton of money and he used that to purchase a ride on a russian spaceship so wow. um but he's a he's a cool dude and uh, i got to go in his castle and they played Dungeons and dragons while we were there so i didn't participate but i got to watch so. well well that's uh, i don't even know how i feel about watching other people play dungeons and dragons but well, I, guess, I guess I guess streaming, but right there. But that was yeah. It was also I, early '90s. So okay. Know. Well, we took a journey in time, 
But so the Re National Rent Fair is huge, by the way. And I will say this, which is not something you can say for a lot of Renaissance festivals. They handled parking well. Hey. You know, I know that sounds weird. I know that's not where we're going. No, with this no, episode. but that's 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 big for a for a rent fest. Yeah. Oh, it's huge. People don't realize it's kind of like Comic Cons. Like some of these are handled okay and some are handled terribly but they managed to handle it well but it's a very large um renaissance festival they have a huge jousting arena with an actual like wooden structures and stuff like that so it's pretty it's pretty neat got to see the beards um and one of the things i realized that was funny because we were getting ready to go to the renaissance festival and we i've gone to renaissance festivals my, I want to say my entire life, but I remember going when I was 11 or 12 years old. So probably around 40 years now, because that puts the date on me that I've been going to Renaissance festivals starting in California and, you know, Tampa, we lived and breathed when it was in Largo and me and you have different, it's, yep. it's, it's, this is one of the episodes where we can kind of talk about as I divert from my, you know, Tennessee story. The fact that me and you were in parallel circles yes. for literally decades. Yes. Decades, just a hair's width from each other yep. and didn't know each other. Didn't know. Didn't know. No. And so here in um, Florida, where well, where you live right now, um, yep. they had a fairly large Renaissance festival in a park in Largo, Florida, which is outside of Tampa. And yeah, then we're on the other side of the bay. Yeah. Uh, and then they lost those grounds. They had permanent buildings, though. That was actually one of my favorite Ren Fairs environment wise, because it was surrounded by trees and they had permanent structures. And it you looked like yeah, you were in a were, Renaissance village. Yeah, yeah. It was it looked like a medieval village. And uh um, and it was sadly, you know, they just it was the the city wanted to do other things with the land and and so it's now where the the library is. They do a pretty awesome Christmas lights display there, but the actual old Renfest grounds are still basically swamp. Uh, yeah, no, it's true. They never ended up using the Ren Fair grounds, which was yeah, like it was just ridiculous. The parking lot was what yeah. became the library and all the other things. So, uh, so again, parking at Renfest were not always a good thing. So very true. But then they moved it to Tampa, right next to the Museum of Science and Industry for many, many years, which was not as great because it was a very open um, uh, area. So it was very dusty. Not that all run fairs aren't dusty, but um, it was not shaded very well. So no. there was, you were into a lot of direct sunlight, which in Florida, if you guys have not been to Florida, is pretty fucking terrible. There's my F-bomb for this episode right and there. It, and it started in February and went till like, it was like six weeks. So it, it was you would be freezing in the morning and then blazing hot by the afternoons so yes yes and and then if it rained oh yeah so that was terrible but now they moved it out towards dade city because when covid hit you know of course it ruined quite a few things one of the things i think a lot of people don't think about is the people that were performers so a lot of people travel around to these yep. renaissance festivals and perform I'm going to give a shout out to one of my favorite performance. He doesn't do a lot of shows anymore, but thoroughly amazing, which is Christoph the Insulter. Oh, Chris Bielman, great author. Yeah, he's an amazing horror author. But before he was an amazing horror author, 
he is um, somebody that you could get thrown in the stocks and insulted. For People could pay to have you insulted. Professionally. Um, and he was the best at it. He really was the best at it. And I enjoyed him thoroughly. So, but, so they moved to Dade City. And from what I understand, it, it's not in, it's just gone kind of down, it's, but. It, it needs work. It's, you know, it's, it's, it is as rural as it gets. And, uh, and it's off a dirt road and it, it, it's almost like going back to the early days. Uh, so yeah, it, it, you know, but, but Renfests are of all shapes and sizes and quality. You it's know, true. it's so. true. So we'll, we'll throw a little travel bug that if you want to in the, um, February, March timeframe in Tampa is the Tampa Bay area Renaissance festival. So you could go check it out with all of the caveats and warnings me and Mark just gave you, yeah. um, but I don't know about you, Mark, but I used to dress up every time I went to the Ren Fair. That was one of my favorite parts of going to the Ren Fair was dressing in costume. I actually performed there for a few years in high school uh, as a character, uh, various characters, various things. Uh, did the human chess match a couple of times because I too. fight a little bit. So, How did we not know each other? I, what, what years did you do the uh, this chess match? Oh my gosh, I'm going to have to do math here. I'm going to have to think about it. I was like 87, 88, 89, I think. No, I was in the 90s. So okay, see, I quit by the 90s. I was already in, you know, I was working Universal Studios and Disney. So that was. I was in Universal Studios and Disney. Show off, whatever. Uh, well, Shut off. Know. But um, uh, but yeah, I um I did the human chess match, but I dress up all the time in Renaissance garb or what I considered Renaissance garb, yeah, yeah. which yeah, generally for me involved a lot of courses historically accurate back then and they would give you classes on how to be historically accurate as they sell pepsi at the you know at the fountains and all that but nowadays the Renfest is completely different the modern oh, Renfests are completely different from that so i saw quite a few so going to the tennessee ren fair one of the first things that the boyfriend asked me was are we dressing up are you making me no let me phrase it the way he phrased it are you making me dress up for this? <laughs> he is not, he, he is not a cosplayer the way I am. And his response was, are you making me dress up? And I said, no, because we actually are working on some Viking costumes, which we will do a reveal of, of Lagathon Ragnar from Vikings. Nice. So yes, which will be kind of epic. He's got the beard and all. So um, and I was like, no, we're not, I'm not going to dress up. And then he was like, are you dressing up? And I was like, no, I didn't bring all that. Cause I wanted it to just be a fun, relaxing weekend and stuff like that. Um, but going there, what was really interesting was besides the amazing booths and the artisans that you have at Ren Fair, right. Mm. Is, um, there were people dressed as all kinds, instead of just medieval garb or pirate garb, which is what I think me and you were very accustomed Seeing there were people actually dressed even in sort of different anime nods and stuff like that to wizards and things like that that um, are popular now that, you know, we, we when we first started, the anime we could get was, you know, Vampire Hunter D and Akira. That was, that was our anime. Third and, uh, and uh, yeah, that was, that was, and, and Star Blazers, uh, but uh, maybe Sailor Moon. But uh, no, I, I love that the Renfest, Back then, I, I did a character that was a dragon, and they wouldn't let me dress in a dragon costume, so I had to wear a guy wearing you know, a, a Renaissance you know, puppet dragon costume, and that was as close as they would let us do fantasy. I think there was a fairy girl 
but we were all, none of us were supposed to interact with her because none of us were supposed to be able to see the Fae. But now it's more Dungeons there was and a, a, a yeah. fairy um, garden. So yeah. if you were a fairy and there was a ton of Fae, the only thing I dislike about the Fae, this is what I'm going to say, is their wingspan when they're walking oh. through a crowded area. Yeah. I'm, I'm a firm believer if you're going to do cosplay, it's one thing to be in a place where people can absolutely walk around you easily. But when you're in a confined space, wings are bad. <laughs> wings are bad. But yeah, no, I think there's mages. There was all sorts of yeah, people that, dressed up. Yep. There was an amazing Ursula. Nice, nice. Yeah. yeah. See that? So, Not what you would expect back in our day. That would have been frowned upon. But look, it draws the crowds now. I remember when they did time travel day where they had Doctor Who cosplayers and other all kinds of crazy people come to Renfest. I think that goes back. I remember when a Star Trek crew came to the Largo Renfest one time pretending they were on an away mission, which was great. That was, I was there for that. And that yeah. was one of the most, and this is back when we're talking about the original series. I don't know yeah. if Next Generation was I think really Next Generation just started because yeah. I think one of the guys was dressed like Worf. Yeah, because I, I remember they were scanning everybody and doing yeah. little reports. Like they held the character, which was, so thoroughly amazing yeah, but um ren fair so i don't think i don't know if all of our listeners know this there are renaissance festivals all over the country all over the country that you can go to all different times of year and they have some of the best artisans that you can find you'll find things that you won't see anywhere else if you do want to dress up and don't have a costume you go there and you will get costumes. You can buy costumes all the way up to armor, suits of armor, which, by the way, are a lot heavier and hotter than you think they yeah, are. Than you think. Yeah, than you think. mail is not fun. Uh, yeah. But they're also good. I mean, there's also a lot of uh, uh, of our uh, witchy friends and our Wiccan friends and our you know Sabbath friends and stuff. They also have a big community at the Rinfest because they know that's their market. So they'll show up there with, you know, essential oils and, 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 and all the fun, uh, you know, it's a great place to get crystals for your crystals, you know, yeah, uh, palm your, reading yeah. henna tattoos, there's a materials, a, you know, yeah. offering materials. It's, it's great for that too. So. And there are shows. There are so many oh, amazing so many shows. shows. Pipsy, the Pipsy pinwheel clown, probably one of the greatest sword swallowing acts should be in Vegas. Uh, but Nope, she does Rinfest. She loves it. So yeah, I mean, some of the there's some that travel around like the washing well wenches. Oh yeah, and the mud shows. There's a few that travel around, but they're when you go, you'll see musicians, all sorts of things, and they're not. They don't have speakers. They're not no. like set up like a gig. They actually do their craft on just a plain stage with everybody. Yep, and you it's, know, so it's amazing and. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and, and like I said, we go back to the Largo grounds and we were talking about, I was talking about that, you know, when we talked about this before that, you know, there were ghost stories about the Largo grounds. And so what's interesting is there are ghost stories and we're going to talk about that in one second, but like one of my favorite fairs, so Tennessee has structures at the Tennessee one. Another huge one is the Atlanta Renaissance Festival that I've been to yeah. that has structures there's an Ohio Renaissance Festival that I've been yep. to. We went to that, that one for Christmas. It was amazing. Yes. And we're going to talk about going back there to see our friends, the Beards. Yep. And then um, also um, the Minnesota Renaissance Festival. Scarborough, and these are ones just 
which is in Texas, was huge. Yeah, and had yeah. And so going to these, you can have a different experience in every single fair that you go to. And they usually have themed weekends. You can have tea with the queen, all this fun stuff, which, you know, my other half tried to see if I wanted to um, have tea with the queen. And I made the joke of who's coming to have tea with me. Exactly. <laughs> Wasn't in costume. But um, the other thing we need to talk about briefly is the food. Oh, yes. Yeah. So More I love and turkey legs than you'll ever have. I was going to say, I love me a turkey leg. And I yeah. feel like one of the only places you can get a true, amazing turkey leg deep fried, because that's what they do with them. Or, or smoked. Yeah. Smoked or deep fried, but dip, different than most Thanksgiving, quote unquote, turkey legs. Yeah, is the Renaissance Festival. Yeah, you can you can get them at a carnival, you know, carnivals and state fairs, and they're close. But something about those Renfest ones are just they're off the chain. Yeah, they're they're amazing, and so they have some of the most uniquely like I actually got a lemonade that was a lemon lime orange aid, and how they made it is they had sliced up fruit, they used a mortar and pestle to grind it up. Yeah. Put it in a cup with sugar, shake it up, and that like they made the the juice fresh. I was totally blown away because it wasn't like, oh, you want lemonade? You know, they made it fresh on site. Yep. Yep. And that's and then some of that, uh I, I used to get the bread bowls with the soup oh, yeah. in them and stuff and cheeses in them. And it was just, oh my God, just, there's a reason I'm I was 400 pounds back then. So yeah. Well, <laughs> I gorged myself. Let me yep. just say that. That's that what rent tests are all about. So prep, prep. You know, just like pretend you're going to a food eating contest where you don't eat for the day before. You know, expand your stomach a couple of weeks beforehand, and you're good. So, yeah. Exactly, but let's let's talk about some little hauntings because there are many rumors at Ren Fairgrounds about hauntings, but you know the one from Largo. So let's let's do that after we come back from our break. Okay, we'll be right back. Erie Appalachia. Gear up for a frightful jaunt into the darkest reaches of the ancient Appalachians. Folks deep within the Appalachian hollers lean close to the campfire to share stories of the inexplicable with hushed awe. Monsters rumbling in the hills, strange lights darting through the pitch black night sky, horrible occurrences almost ineffable in their bizarre tragedy. Tall tales, you might say. Tell that to the Flatwoods monster in Braxton County, West Virginia, or the Goat Man of Louisville. Look into his humanoid eyes and let him know you don't believe. What of those apparitions in Mammoth Cave's Corpse Rock or the Satan Spawn known as the Jersey Devil? How do you respond when confronted by these mysteries? From the metaphysical energy that swirls near Serpent Mound in Ohio to Point Pleasant's Mothman Legacy, Mark Muncie and Carrie Schultz explore the dark history lurking in the shadows of Appalachia. Read by Mark Muncy, author and experts on strange folklore with appearances on shows such as Ancient Aliens, The Curse of Robert the Doll, and many, many more. Greetings, mortals and others. I'm Dick Terhune, the voice from hell. I work with haunted attractions all over the U.S., Canada, and Europe to increase audiences and enhance their experience with highly effective commercials, narrations, animatronic character voices, whatever your dark heart desires. Let me help you do more, scare more, profit more. Find out more at Voice From Hell on Facebook and at voicefromhell.com. 
we're back. back. Mark being a giant tease about the ghost story. Okay. All right. So Largo Fairgrounds, uh, after hours, you know, we had, uh, it, you know, it, it was actually not even season. You know, it was closed. And like I said, those buildings were still there. So we knew yeah. we could go there. And we decided one night we were going to try some live action role playing. We were going LARPing. to do LARPing. We were going to do Dungeons and Dragons in the fairgrounds, right? Come on, it's it's cool. And uh, you, so, know, you normally wait. do Dungeons and Dragons on the table, you know, rolling dice and pretending to be your characters. Well, this we all dressed up a little bit, and we we did. It was a new thing in the eighties. LARPing had been around, but it had been kind of banished. And there's a reason it had been banished. Uh, uh, because there was a lot of bad press. We talked about that in our Satanic Panic episode. We did, but we should explain what LARPing is so people understand what yeah. LARP, because that term is not known by most. Yeah. Live action role playing. And it's basically what you thought nerds do when you think of Dungeons and Dragons. You, you dress up in a costume and you run around going, I'm a fireball, fireball, throw rocks at somebody. Yeah, uh, you know, things like that. That's not, yeah, that's not what we were doing. But anyway, that's kind of what we were doing. They're and, off foam swords and stuff like that. They yeah. don't use real weapons. Don't use real weapons and all that. And uh, uh, there's another group called the Society for Creative Anachronism, the SCA, and they actually do fight with practice weapons and stuff like that. Uh, this wasn't even that. This was just us having fun. And while we were out there, we thought, oh, we've disturbed somebody else who's sleeping out, or probably some homeless, you know, sleeping out there because those buildings were semi-permanent. They were mostly like lean-tos with some, you know, basic roofing. But um, we heard some noises and we were like, oh, we there's somebody out here, you know, that's not us. Well, we can't call the cops because we're not supposed to be out here either. Uh, and uh, but then as we got as we started to leave, because we're like, well, we don't want to mess with anything that might be untoward. It started coming from the other side. And then it was coming from the other side. And then we heard hoof prints. And I'm like, wait a minute. This is like jousting. You know, or, you know some, there's a horse out here. What the heck? This is in Largo. This is behind a, an apartment complex. It's woods. And that's when um, I heard uh, a whinny of a horse. And then the girl who I was with was like, wait a minute. I just saw something that looked skeletal running across the field like a burning skeleton. And I was like, yeah, time to go. So, uh, we, and we left, uh, but then I heard, I didn't even know about the legend there. I'd been doing it for a couple of years and somebody told me, oh yeah, there's this skeletal ghost that some of the Rennies see, uh, but you know, we'll see. It, you know, I, I, that was, that was my story. Uh, well, that's the story. Did you, I mean, when you started researching, did you ever research that particular area? You know, to be fair, I haven't. It's just well, one of those stories from high school. I never thought about it. It'd be interesting. So we just started talking about it for this episode. I had forgotten it. You know, it was just one of those lost in my mind stories. So I have to say, um, not only did they do uh, the Ren Fair, is they used to do a Halloween kind of thing out there. Yes. And like a hayride and stuff like that. So one year I went out to um, uh, do the paintball booth. So they had... Um, you could uh, shoot, how did this work? It was like, it's kind of like shooting um, a skeletons or something like that. Like we dropped a mannequin, they could shoot at it, blah, 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 you know, kind yeah. of fun thing. 
Um, and uh, there was a, a booth next to us that kept playing that song, Let the Bodies Hit the Floor. <laughs> it was like on loop. I liked that song. And then for a very long period, I didn't because they played that and like two other songs just on loop. But I remember that there was a moment that, because we were near the back of it, right? That I was like, okay, we're not, like there was something behind us. It was so weird. I didn't hear horses or anything like that, but there was a moment that the music had stopped, right? And then there was something back and then turning around, there was nothing there. Mm. And I was like, I do not want to be left alone out here at this weird booth in the middle of the dark. Cause everything was super dark because we were trying to be scary. I think, I I think like, we had one of our fear monger creatures out there maybe that was just heightening all of our fears. So it, it could it, be. It was very, it was when you so go out there crazy. now. And I'll be honest, if you go out there now, even though it's not part of the main park lands, you can still kind of wander over to that swampy area and you get that feeling that you should not be here. So, and that you're not alone at all yeah no i we, we larped that and we also larped uh vampire the masquerade over at the castle so i larped vampire at masquerade this is why it's so weird mark this is one of those coincidence stories so i had friends that used to do the vampire masquerade larping where you were either a vampire or a victim basically yeah. some up version of that um vampire the masquerade is a role-playing game like dungeons and dragons but um, Necronomicon, which is a convention, a horror convention that's been in Tampa for forever. Oh my God, forever. That still goes on in Tampa. It has never gotten really big, but it's been a nerd gaming convention for a bazillion years, I think. The way they like it. They like, they like being an old school con. They are an old school. They're the kind of con that used to, you know, be in the basement of the hotel kind of convention. Right. They that's where they've that's their niche they've stuck with it so yeah and there is a double tree in tampa that they had as a convention where the convention was one time and a friend of mine was running a vampire the masquerade larping game which um i think however they explained it to the hotel staff seemed fairly um gentle yeah uh didn't turn out that way at all i happened <laughs> to be a vampire for this particular one but there was a girl that ended up running through the middle of the lobby twirling a quarter staff like a legitimate quarter staff what? screaming at the top of her lungs chasing down some victims the problem of course being in a hotel is that you don't really have like stickers on people that say they are or are not part of the, the LARP experience game. yeah i remember we used to have those little pins for whatever clan you were and uh Fun fact, one of my first published things was I, I sold some things to White Wolf for Vampire of the Masquerade, just little color writing stuff. So, um, oh. so that's, uh, that's my tie to it. But that's why I decided to LARP it was I wanted to see what was happening with this stuff. So, uh, uh, but um, no, we, we talk about LARPing. I'm going to talk a, a little bit of a dark thing, history of LARPing for a minute, if, if you got a minute. I do have a minute. We should say that LARPing actually started in the 70s. Yep. And that's what the, we're going back to. And then why it disappeared for a little while is what I'm going to talk to. Okay. Um, do, do there tell. was a book that I had bought many years ago, and it was called The Dungeon Master, The Disappearance of James Dallas Egbert III. That is a very and fancy name. Very, that sounds not, like a very prominent just, yep. fancy name. 
I bought any book that had anything to do with Dungeons and Dragons, fantasy, stuff like that. So, um, and that one floored me. It was my first true crime book I'd ever read. Um, and it was this 16 year old boy who disappeared from the University of Michigan, or I'm sorry, Michigan State University in 1979. And he had supposedly disappeared in the steam tunnels because he was live action role-playing Dungeons and Dragons. Oh. And so it provoked nationwide fury. There was a, the, the family was complaining because he disappeared for five days. He was 16 at college. He had, he was a child prodigy. They had, you know, he'd, he'd been sent to college early and then suddenly he disappeared. So they hired detective, uh, private detective named William Deere to find him. And Deere goes into his room. His room is all nice and neat. And he has a suicide note saying, if you, you know, if you find my body, I'd like to be cremated. And the family says this couldn't wait, wait, be. Wait, 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 hold on. The suicide note just said, if you happen to find my body, I want to be cremated. Yep. But as they search the room, they find these books. Uh-oh. Dungeons and Dragons. Oh. Dun, dun, dun. And so Deer, you know, the detective decides it's Egbert's involvement in Dungeons and Dragons that must be what it is. And so this book is basically at the height of the satanic panic. He's digging into Dungeons and Dragons to figure out what the heck's going on. His parents are convinced that's got to be it because there's no other reason this kid would ever wait who wrote this himself. book the, the the detective the detective wrote his book this book a few years later okay. and um now this case inspires a tv movie okay. called mazes and monsters starring a very young tom hanks what yes i have never heard of this Yep. I must a, Google immediately. What? Oh, it's terrible. He freaks out from playing too much Dungeons and Dragons live action in tunnels and he stabs one of his friends thinking it's a monster because uh, he's hallucinating. Um, oh my gosh. Yes. So as we all know, for those of us who played Dungeons and Dragons and dub live action role playing, we know that all it does is drives us crazy and makes us see monsters. And so we stab our friends. But no, no, what we really know is it just made us nerds and and you want to talk about being outcasts at a time yeah. when it really was not cool. We keep reiterating this, but we grew up in a time that all this stuff that we're talking about right now was not cool. No. Was, I mean, yeah. it really all Dungeons and Dragons teaches you is how to work as a group amongst other social misfits because it's the only place you can find people of your own tribe and uh you know who like talking about orcs and goblins and 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 things like that um and you know and then you know and it, it, it prepped us for the corporate world later but wow. uh yeah definitely oh, hold on i gotta say this this is a wiki sorry i googled this film was adapted from the novel mazes and monsters by yes. rona gaffey gaffey had based her 1981 novel on inaccurate newspaper stories about the disappearance of James Dallas Egbert III from Michigan State University in 1979. Earlier media accounts had overemphasized Egbert's participation in role-playing 
fantasy, often yeah. speculating that his hobby was a factor in his disappearance. And then it talks about the 1984 book, um, but Gaffey wrote her novel in a matter of days because of fear that another author Would, might also be fictionalizing the Egbert investigation. Yeah. And what's crazy is, you know, so there was the hysteria. His parents were convinced he was a good boy, although he would disappear occasionally. Uh, and then there was all these other things. But then we start finding out the real reasons was I, they pushed him. He was he had to excel. He was 16 year old kid going to college because they forced him to do all this stuff. Dungeons and Dragons was the only place he found friends. And yes, there were live action role playing games going on in the steam tunnels, but he wasn't part of that. Although he did go down to the steam tunnels because that was also where he liked to do drugs. And it was also, he was homosexual. And it was 1979. Yeah. He was 16. And he couldn't deal with it. So he found an older friend, you know, one of his uh, partners, at, who he hid at his house for a while and then alternated between houses while the heat was on. And they finally found him in New Orleans where he'd relaunched his life. And, you know, the the private investigator was like, okay. Um, but he had also tried to commit suicide twice. He'd went down into those tunnels to kill himself, but he survived. He had taken a bunch of quaaludes, but he lived. Then he went to New Orleans, tried to kill himself again, survived that. Uh, finally, a third time, he did wind up killing himself. Um which was sad, you know. I think Dungeons and Dragons was the one thing that kept them alive, alive, for a little while, you know. Um, and I, and I now, think a, a a lot of parents, you know, we're. I hate to say that we're we. I feel like you know we're talking about a story from 1979, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, this is still happening today. Yeah. This kind of pressure on on. Um, children and things like that especially children that maybe um are gay or trans and you know they're being pushed to the point of suicide i i mean i just yeah. well while you're telling i was also reading that deer didn't talk about the real reason at first until he he could didn't publish it till four years uh, four months after his death or four years after his death yeah because you know, he didn't want him to tell anybody that he was gay. Um, and uh, and the only reason he did the book was because he was so mad at them raking Dungeons and Dragons and all this over the coals still to that day. And, um, you know, and it's funny because, you know, you look back on this and you think about this kid who was going through all this. And, you know, we look, we look back now with Stranger Things and, oh, it was the stoner kids were the Dungeons and Dragons kids and all that. No. That, that's the Stranger Things version. The the real outcast well, kids in the eighties were like him. And it, it, even in Stranger Things, I mean, the fact is, is that they're outcasts. The young kids that are in Stranger Things, yep, are nerds, and that's what they do because, you know, a lot of us were very shy when we were younger. Believe it or not, one wouldn't believe this of me, but when yeah. I was younger, I was really, really shy and. I liked fantasy stuff. I, you know, was a huge reader. I mean, I started with the uh, um, Xanth novels by Pierce oh, yeah. Anthony. Pierce Anthony. Yep. Yeah, whom I love, but I read those. I read Ed Greenwood. I read all these fantasy novels. You know, we even go back to, you know, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, which was a fantasy novel. Yep. 
you know, The Hobbit, um, before Lord of the Rings. I mean, Lord of the Rings is hugely popular now, but not that it wasn't popular, but it was popular amongst nerds. It was about elves and sword fighting and things like that. And you, there was a time where you very much, um, it, you know, it wasn't cool to be into all these hobbies. And then when yeah. video games started and we used to go to the arcade and play video games, not that cool kids didn't play video games, but a lot of times you were able to find your people because there wasn't like an online community where you could find people. You no. you had to go find people who had and similar that's, hobbies. And that's dungeon. what we talk about. Like just a few years later, I mean, he ended his life 1980. You know, imagine just a few years later when, you know, Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back have taken over the world and, and all that. Even then, it still wasn't cool to be a nerd until more recently, you know. Uh, you I know. was going to say, it's it's really been creeping up. But even in the 80s, like I started playing Dungeons and Dragons when I was 14. So that would have been, um, hold on, I'm going to do math. Uh, yeah. 83... So 87, 88, I started yep. playing Dungeons and Dragons and that was first edition. And I remember, I, I think I said this in the Satanic Panic episode, my mom was like, are you going to create witchcraft? And what are you doing? Like, she literally went crazy when I told her that I was playing Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Oh, I know. And we, like I said, we discussed all that with our satanic panic episode so i highly recommend our listeners go back to that it's go back and listen because yeah, it, so. it was a very different time and it it's terrible that this young man felt like what he had to do was take his own life and because of that live action role-playing disappeared for decades you know it took me you know like i said i didn't even do it i was like I, you know that's that's crazy even you know the you know, regular role players like oh larpers are weird uh but uh but then it you know even after a while then you know so i did a call of cthulhu uh larp uh at a megacon and fell in love with it and the next thing you know i'm doing a paranoia which is another role-playing game set in a post-apocalypse and and you know and suddenly larping was cool again and you know and i even went back to vampire the masquerade once um no it's true and even in movies so i'm gonna say this so um oh yeah <laughs> i know where you're going ah so one of my favorite movies that ever came out is I I don't I can't even say it's a cult classic because I think in order to really enjoy this movie you kind of have to understand Dungeons and Dragons and that yeah. nerd community but um in 2013 Peter Dinklage is in this which yes. just makes it even more epic there is a movie called The Knights of Badassdom. Yes, an amazing cast. And it was funny because they were all like just before they popped. Yes. Um, uh, what's his, the kid who was Jason Stackhouse in True Blood was yes. like the star. And Peter Dinklage was like a bit part, but a big bit part. What's well, his, he's, uh, a, he's a fairly large bit part for yeah. being the smallest person in the movie. Yeah, and a lot of movie, a lot of the characters, like the bit characters in that are big names now and, you know, in the comedy field. So, uh, but yeah, it was a, a, a LARP where they accidentally summon a real succubus because he's got a, he uses a real spell book, the wizard. <laughs> yes. So the entire premise of this movie is they're going out to do a LARP and one of the characters, and I mean, we're talking about Peter Dinglich, Steven Zahn. Summer yeah. Glau, you know, yeah. like Danny Purdy, like this Danny is, Purdy got, is awesome in it. Yeah. 
Jimmy he's Simpson, the, the, um, like just an amazing, amazing cast. Yeah. But the entire premise of this is that these friends are going out to do this LARP and they end up with this spell book. Isn't it Steve Zahn's the one with the spell book? I think so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he ends up casting a spell that actually legitimately summons a demon. Yep. And then the thing is, is that there are so many people dressed as these different characters that they don't realize they don't notice. Yes. that something bad is happening around them. And then hilarity, mayhem, and a little bit of gore ensues. Oh yeah, quite a bit of gore. It was, it was yes. a horror movie with a, a horror comedy, which was our favorites. Yes. Um, horror I mean, comedy. there are other LARPing movies. Uh, you know, Role Models is probably the Role most Models famous. had LARPing in it. Um, and then... Um, Oh goodness, there were there were there were quite a few others. Um what what's the one? Um I, I think role models had that great battle sequence. That was a bit yeah. more of a CA style where you get points for doing damage and stuff like that. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, then, um you know, now you know, of course, there's you know the Hawkeye uh TV series had a LARP incident uh in it as well, which was pretty fun and and there, you know, there it's 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 a bit more mainstream now, although it is still considered kind of the nerdy of the nerdy. So, it is a whole level of nerdy, and I have to say that, like, it's not a spectator sport. Like no. LARPing, when you go, you you see how committed people get to be in creating. It's it's kind of like an advanced form of cosplay to me. Like, yep. yeah, the Call of Cthulhu one, it was kind of like a murder mystery dinner theater, but you're a character in it. You know, it's uh you know, but with uh, Eldritch Horror, uh, and, you know, it was, you know, it was pretty fun. I, I loved it. Uh, so for so, our, so for travel, yeah. do we want to talk about travel? Okay. Wait, first of all, what is your favorite Ren Faire person that you ever dressed up as? Oh, as, as a, as a character? Yeah. Uh, one of my, my, my character, I did Billabong the dragon. Like I, I mentioned that dragon costume. Uh, and I, and I, and it's, it's instead of a big, deep, booming dragon voice, I did a real squeaky voice like that. And it was, it was pretty hysterical. Uh, so that was my famous character, but I think the character I enjoyed the most was I did, a one of the flying grovel brothers. Uh, and we, we would just basically run around and throw ourselves at the ground of people going, we're not worthy and roll around in the dirt. And we got to do that at a promotion event where they hired a bunch of us Rennies to come out to this golf course in the middle of Orlando. And it was like this super fancy golf course event. And there were celebrities there. People, it was an auction. It was like million dollar auctions. And they had us Rennies out there because it was supposed to be like travel through time on this golf course. So it was the most opposite of normal Renfest running around in the dirt. We're on a golf course. It's manicured lawns. Everybody's being fed amazing you know, food. And Suddenly I'm standing there and across the aisle from me is Harrison Ford. <laughs> and I groveled him. I dropped my, you know, my, I threw myself Pete Rose style slide. Uh, you know, I just being, oh, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. I was really, I'm like, I have to do this. This is, this is it. And it was great. Cause he basically just sprinkles some beer out of his mug on me and goes, you may rise. You may rise. <laughs> Oh, that's my Ford. that's my Harrison Ford story, and I ran off, didn't say two words to him. So, oh wow! So mine is not nearly that cool, but it was doing chess match. Me and another friend dressed up as these sort of Viking sisters, and nice. 
Um, I had a really, really long braid because you know I'm six feet tall. So my braid went almost to the ground. And part of the human chess match, if you've never witnessed that, is the two opponents going in, they fight each other, right? right? It's, you know, and so we would go in. I think we were we were knights. I don't remember, but we would be sent in. And one of the moves I had was to choke somebody with my braid. Nice. That's a cool move. Yeah, it was a pretty, it was a pretty badass move. Um, and we always we took the square. So, you know, it's yeah, always it's, one side wins in the beginning, yeah. the bad guys, yeah, it's, and it's, then the good guys win at the end. You know, it's wrestling, it's the same thing. You gotta have the good guy lose to come, you know, first round to come back and do two in a row. Yeah, you know, or so, something like that. Yeah. That is that was always fun. And then what about LARPing? What was your favorite LARPing character you ever did? Um, I I, I'll be honest, uh, for Vampire, I LARPed uh, a magician who had been turned into a vampire, and one of his tricks was he could get out of being staked with a wooden stake. So he was an escape artist, and that was that was my that was my party trick, and uh, and I would do that in the LARP. I would pretend somebody staked me, and then I would do the ha, yeah. <laughs> Very cool. I I think I think I'd have to say vampire was my favorite one to do as well. But I played um a Malkavian who was crazy. So that's you know like that particular class of vampire are batshit crazy, and I was nuts. Like okay, yeah, for those of you who want us to do an episode on all the crazy clans of Vampire the Masquerade. Uh, yeah, let us know in the comments for the 90 other percent of you, you know, it's fine. That's okay. If one of you says, yes, do that, we're going to do it. We're doing it. We're doing it. Yeah. Oh, if just one, if one single person does it. Oh, Carrie, uh, Carrie's already typing it in. We're done. Yeah. All right. So, I was going to say quick, uh, Jonathan will type it in. Yeah. Let's get it. We'll get 50 of them right now. Um, so no, but you know, so we talk about traveling to Renfest. I am going to bring up one other place we can travel so you tell me your favorite well, i was gonna say traveling i've thrown in the links to make this easier because we've talked about a couple of run fairs but um there is a link to run fairs across the united states and canada so we've thrown that in the show notes so you guys can check that out i've also thrown in the notes two different larping organizations that mm. are um one of them is in new orleans which does vampires which seems like a great trip to go oh, do and that's, do that's worth it yeah vampire, vampire larping in new orleans like i feel like we need to go do that and then um the other one is a larping organization that's been around for years and years that talks about larps that you can do like dungeons and dragons medieval knight style larping mm. across the country and across the world there's some of them there in europe so at least it's a start travelers. If you want to look into being a part of these and checking them out, because it's an experience that you won't have otherwise. But if you're not into LARPing, go grab a turkey leg, sit down and watch a show and buy some truly amazing art. And who knows, you could always buy a sword at one of these run fairs and dream yep. about the day you could use it on other people. Yep. And poor Richard Garriott's castle, which uh, I was talking about earlier, it was bulldozed in 2016. So uh, sadly, you can't go there, uh, but you can go to Michigan State University Ooh. and where, you know, uh, Dallas Egbert was supposedly went missing in those tunnels, uh, the tunnels you're not allowed into uh, there and they were not they were not dungeons, uh, but uh, it ultimately got locked up 
but uh, you can go visit the area. Uh, that museum, uh, that 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 um, university has a lot of ghost stories and a lot of myths and legends about it. I mean, it's to the point where I actually considered writing a book just about this university's ghosts and legends when I was researching the area because this this college has we will do a deep dive on it at some point but okay Beaumont Tower the auditorium has a ghost of a little boy the botanical gardens have a ghost figure uh the dormitories almost every one of them has a story and uh what I would recommend though is going to the campus and there is an exhibit there in their collections area of the library that is just the myths and legends of that campus. Wow. And you can go there and they will, and it has a big display on the James Dallas Egbert III and a memorial to him. So. Well, that is, that would be fun. But Mark, you're leaving out a, when you can possibly see the Erie Travels gang in Michigan. Oh yeah, we are, uh, gonna be doing a trip up that way so you want to tell them the details no i want you to tell them isn't it we're going up to michigan to the renaissance festival michigan right renaissance festival but i'm not sure exactly what weekend we're going uh yeah. but uh we will be up for that our wonderful friend destiny beard will be there um for that um i, think I, it's I like that that's what so they do a christmas let's just go over this correctly okay not All right destiny beard i i promise you there is a video coming out it will have aired by the time this episode airs so everybody who's listening that follows us on instagram and stuff if you didn't see it you can go back and see it and you'll understand my thing but there is um the michigan renaissance festival creates a very unique holiday experience correct well yeah i know the the ohio's Oh, the Ohio. That's where we're going. Ohio. Sorry. You got me confused. The Ohio Renaissance Festival. Yeah, sorry. That's an oh amazing. That's I got crazy. excited. All right. I thought I was the one having a seizure. No, it was you. No, okay. it was me this time. All right. Yeah, me. no, the Ohio Renaissance Festival at Christmas time. Yes. Michigan Renaissance Festival is where Destiny's going to be in August. But in Ohio, they'll be at the Ohio Renaissance Festival at Christmas time. Uh, I'm not sure the exact dates, but we will be there for that as well. They turned that whole permanent castle wall village behind it it's amazing they do roast chestnuts they do the turkey legs they do hot cider it's it's incredible it is a winter wonderland lights galore so it's not like a rin fest where it's lit by torchlight it is lit by christmas lights and it's amazing so yes. we were there last year we will be back i was gonna say so we just keep your ears out we will post it as soon as we know the weekends oh my gosh sorry about that Michigan Ren Fair is amazing too, but the Ohio Renaissance Festival is where we will be. We will let all the travelers know what weekend we're going to be there. Maybe we'll have some super cool swag on us for those travelers that come encounter us when we're up there. And um, so that'll be one of the fun events. So if you if you don't know if you want to do a Renaissance Festival, but you're like, hey, I'll go try it with the Erie Travel Gang, you can join us. Yep, yep, yep. And uh, and like I say, if you want to see us at other events, tell your events, have them invite us. But also, watch our website, eerietravels.com. There's a slot on there that says appearances. And also our Facebook page has our calendar of events as well. Uh, and then we also will be, you know, 
just listen to the podcast some more tell your friends have them subscribe have them share and uh you know and then that way we get everywhere we want to and don't forget listener stories mark Oh, yes. And please send us your listener tales. We're trying to collect enough for another listener tales episode. We've gotten quite a few. We'd like more, uh, but we always like them, even when you know we're not collecting for just one special on that. We love hearing your stories. We love hearing you know back and just feedback. Give us some feedback. Let us know what you like, what you don't like. Leave us those likes. Leave us those things on those platforms that let you. And, um, you know, I was going to say, I'm trying to remember how it was you ended an attack on Vampire the Masquerade. Was that two fingers forward? Or that was yes. initiating attack? Yeah, that was, was initiating. Initiating, and then ending the attack was, yeah, palm forward, right? Palm yeah, forward, yeah, palm no, forward I was is, gonna, is, is, I was doing the, your fire gesture. It was palm yeah, forward, ends palm the forward attack. Palm forward was ending the, ending the encounter. So, so for that, we are ending the encounter, gang. Enjoy your live action. If you really want to torture yourself, watch that Mazes and Monsters movie. It's pretty cringe. It's pretty terrible. Uh, although it is funny to watch a young Tom Hanks, you know, overact. Uh, but anyway, and on that note, gang, we'll see you on the other side.